Hello, and welcome to episode one of SciSpace, my personal learning journal for healing, growth, and discovering new skills. You can find blog posts and related material at www.sciSpace.blog. That's C-Y-S-P-A-C-E dot B-L-O-G. In this episode, I want to discuss the importance of mapping out our journey to the present. In other words, recalling our past. Recalling our past can provide us potential solutions to our current problems and help us understand how we got where we are. This helps us gain control of our lives because we are more mindful of how our behaviors formed and how we can shift detrimental behaviors and maintain the ones that enrich our lives. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining me on Martin Luther King Day. Originally, I was going to post this podcast a week ago. I had a totally different script written out, and it was just far too intense and personal for my first episode of my podcast. So bear with me. These concepts are quite vague without concrete examples, and I will try to solidify them by giving examples out of context from my life where I find it appropriate. You've probably heard the phrase, don't let life pass you by. People usually tell us this when we have to take initiative in our lives, when we have to act, but we are afraid. I think that sentiment is valid, but if we don't know how to act, that's a problem in itself. We all handle events differently and our lives have trained us to act in a certain way, whether we're aware of it or not. I'm asking if we truly know ourselves. Have we been paying attention to how all parts of ourself at this very moment came to be? If not, how can we be certain our actions will have the desired outcome? In the beginning of our lives, we may or may not have a clean slate. But from the point of birth until now, we have this stream of data we can analyze to find patterns. In other words, if we were to record our lives from the beginning, we can be more confident in specific patterns as we age. How do we read those patterns? We certainly can't memorize everything. In fact, many of our long-term behaviors are deeply embedded in our subconscious. We literally don't think about them. So let's think of a life where we intentionally avoid trying to analyze our past selves. In this reality, we mindlessly wander in and out of good and bad habits. If a bad habit becomes detrimental to us, we may come to wonder how this happened. Well, in this reality, we simply won't know. Everything will become an assumption. The first reason we come up with will likely be treated as fact, with no evidence in our lives to support that reasoning. Well, what if we wander into a good habit? We'll probably take it for granted uncertain of dangerous variables that risk pushing us off this healthy path. For example, you may or may not have heard of statistics that say the vast majority of people who lose significant amounts of weight will gain it back. I have struggled with obesity my entire life. I can't recall exactly when I started packing on the pounds, but I know the main culprit was a lot of soda in my childhood, and I was addicted to it. If I did not have soda, I would become extremely agitated and anxious. And this continued basically until the end of high school. My first attempt at losing weight was at 17. I was around 295 pounds. 
And for context, I was about five, six or five, seven. To lose the weight, I starved myself and did nothing but cardio, losing an incredible 135 pounds. Almost all the weight came back except for 15 pounds. I was now hovering around 280. At the age of 22, I attempted to lose the weight again. It was a lot harder and progress in terms of weight loss was much slower. I tried to mix in cardio and strength training this time, but I really didn't keep track of what I was doing other than cutting calories and trying to break into a sweat. I succeeded to lose the weight again, but around the age of 25, most of the weight came back once more. This time, I was around 250 pounds. For the first time, I asked, why was this happening? Why was this vicious cycle repeating itself? In all other instances, I completely stopped all parts of my life, any distractions, and just focused on the weight loss. This is great if you live in a vacuum. I had to learn how to lose the weight while socializing, going to school, and working. Whatever I lost had to be balanced with the rest of myself. So, once more, at the age of 26, I began a two-year journey towards the best shape of my life. It was slow, reflective, and extremely healthy in comparison to past attempts. This time, I knew it wasn't a diet, but a lifestyle. Yet, as variables in my life began to change, my age, my relationship status, the demands of life and work, the weight started to come back slowly. By the age of 35, midsummer, in the midst of a pandemic lockdown, my weight had ballooned back up to around 210 pounds. You can say I'm an expert in losing weight and vicious cycles. I am much kinder to myself these days. In hindsight, all of those cycles had an important lesson we can all learn from. The first time I lost the weight, I learned it was possible. The second time around, I learned I need to mix up my workouts and not starve myself. The third time around, I learned it cannot be a temporary diet, but a lifestyle. There is no... Once I get to that goal, I'll just go back to eating the way I did before. There's actually one more thing I learned during this period, and it was while going to the doctor's office. The receptionist asked me how I lost the weight, and rather than tell her strength training and cardio, I responded with sleep and water. What an epiphany, right? Uh, but it's true. We just kind of forget how important sleep is to our overall health, including weight management. So this time around, with you, the listener, I'm losing the weight again. Not as much, thankfully, but what can I take away from previous experiences? One, that variables change. Sure, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle, but just like the other parts of my life, I need to learn to adapt. I need to know how to handle the finer details of my journey and avoid pitfalls. Otherwise, the cycle will repeat itself, and I have evidence to back that claim up. Notice in this personal example I was recalling, I'm analyzing after the fact with no records. Recalling in this manner is always a last resort and needs to be done with great care. We'll always need to recall things, but ideally we document our lives in some way so that it isn't so tedious. And to be honest, simply by documenting, you won't need to do it as much. You write it down so that you don't have to store it in your brain, but the probability your brain will internalize has increased simply by the act of documenting it. This is both empowering and amusing to realize. So, we need to lay down some breadcrumbs. If you're a decent planner, you're probably already leaving a trail. 
You can look back and see how much of your planning comes to fruition, if what you're doing is working, and if you're growing. You'll also probably be more aware of how to stay in your particular lane of growth and not fall off track. Nothing in life is 100%, but planning increases that probability you'll stay in this growth lane. Journaling is a useful process for this as well. (laughs) That's the point of this entire podcast. It's just actively journaling with my voice instead of writing it down. But the point is to explore different strategies for planning to an extent. I want to tackle those detrimental behaviors that impede my progress. I want to grow with purpose. Most of the people I know didn't journal or plan growing up. I'm envious of you or someone you know did. Without this skill, habit forming is difficult, even if we self-describe our lives as normal and boring. But when you grow up surrounded by trauma, this unpracticed skill is even more necessary. Our mind in these traumatic experiences tends to dissociate when we reflect. We may even lie or worse confabulate. It will do whatever it can to protect us from recalling events that caused us extreme pain. Yet those events might have created behaviors in us that are causing us harm right now. We need to know how to break this cycle. To give a personal example here, my mother suffered from schizoaffective disorder. If you're unfamiliar with this or related conditions, Individuals who suffer from these ailments are prone to visual and auditory hallucinations, and people with schizoaffective disorder are prone to mood swings. A dynamic to this condition that many people do not consider is the impact it has on individuals living with the afflicted individual and the effect their emotions have on that individual in return. I believe emotions, mental illness, even sleep disorders are contagious to an extent, and when someone is unable to sleep at night, and they're loud, it will most certainly impact the quality of your sleep. There were many problems that arose from this throughout my life, but only through recalling these painful memories was I able to see why I've been so resilient to sleep in the past and connect it to the issues of my weight. If I can't fix my sleep, chances are I can't fix my weight issues. Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep, is a great resource on understanding how important sleep is. If you're trying to improve weight loss, put sleep quality up there with food quality. It might be true you don't need to recall your prior events to overcome detrimental behaviors. Maybe the memory of the event isn't as important as what behaviors formed around those experiences in your life. In any case, I have found it helpful to look at my life story, my data, and look for patterns. It's a lot like trying to get information from a fragmented hard drive. Recalling this information is slow and possibly unreliable. We might have to trace events by interviewing people, check medical or personal records about our past, perhaps even family video recordings. This probably sounds extreme. It might be in your case. It depends how impactful our detrimental behaviors are on us. If we find ourselves going in circles and we have no method to trace our steps through a plan or journal, then using these strategies to recall our past might give us some much needed insight. So let's discuss some resources, strategies, and tools for recalling and retracing our past. Speak to a professional. The first one I want to discuss is consider speaking to a healthcare professional, specifically a therapist. I am not one, and even if I was, this would still be the advice I'd give you. A therapist needs insight into who we are in order to help us. So if you go to a therapist and tell them you want to recall your past, they'll probably say, me too, if they have a sense of humor like myself. Just by doing this, we increase our brain power by a factor of two. And the more time you invest in it, the greater the returns. They can also form a strategy of how to retrace your footsteps. I found many times when I begin to recall my past, I drift. 
kind of like a disassociation. And your therapist will eventually notice this and gently bring attention to it. They also might bring attention to other things we may find inconsequential, giving us insight into ourselves we wouldn't have considered. Retrace your steps through writing or recording. Another strategy is to retrace our steps through writing or recording. This can be done along with my first suggestion, although not at the same time. Most therapists won't allow us to record the sessions. In any case, the purpose of therapy has an important overlap with this method. It brings it out of your mind and into the world. This simple act of writing, recording, creating material rather than thinking about it increases the chances of gaining insight into ourselves. It's similar to Gestalt's empty chair technique. The empty chair technique is designed to allow you to work through interpersonal or internal conflict. It helps you to see situations from a different perspective and gain insight into your feelings or behaviors. You share your side of events with an empty chair, usually representing another person, and then you switch places and respond to what you just said. When you share what you recall to a paper or recording device, you're basically treating that object as the empty chair. If you want to take the empty chair technique a step further, you can even respond to your letter or recording in another letter or recording. You'll probably be surprised at how much awareness this gives you into yourself. I want to emphasize that last step is not necessary. We don't have to respond to our work. In fact, we can make it easier on ourselves the first time around. For practice, don't write, don't record, don't document in any way. Just speak out loud about a problem you're having to an object. You'll be surprised how often your mind will untangle itself and give you a path to the solution you're looking for. Computer scientists call this rubber ducking, a method for applying this technique. I consider four steps when I'm preparing to apply this technique. The start, the medium, the act, and the consumption. The start. I personally prefer it to pick a starting point. You can start from the present or the first memory of your life and try to recall every single event in as much detail as possible with any medium you choose. The medium. When I speak of the medium, I'm referring to a format of retracing our steps. This is an area I am still toying with. I will tell you which ones are my preference and which ones I have tinkered with in the past. You can use a pen and paper if you're patient enough. This is probably the slowest and most methodical way I can personally think of doing it. If you were to choose this option, I strongly suggest getting some type of journal, possibly tracing your steps in separate entries. The entry can contain the date you wrote down this specific part of your life and then roughly when it happened if you can't recall a specific date. Another option is to use Microsoft Word or Google Docs if you prefer typing. You can also use the dictate or voice typing function within those softwares so that you don't have to type if you prefer to just speak and then get actual text of what you're saying. Personally though, if, if I'm going to use my voice, I prefer to use a recording device, whether it's a video or voice recorder. You can do this with your phone if you want. In either case, this is my preference because I can catch myself, for example, when I'm video recording, drifting when talking about specific events, or when I'm listening to my voice, I can catch my voice fluctuating based on what I'm talking about. And I might not be totally aware of it while talking about it, but listening to myself after the fact gives me a lot of insight. It can actually be quite a startling experience. You can be quite judgmental of yourself. Try to be kind and think about why you're feeling that way. I recommend playing with all these options to see what works for you. One might work better for one period of life, and then another might be preferable for another period. The act. Once you pick a starting point and a medium, it's time to act. I'm not the best at this, but I try to do the act on a specific date. I say try because it can be an overwhelming experience. So I give myself space 
to just not do it if the week has been exceptionally busy. You decide, be kind, but we should try to be consistent with the time we set for this. When you're retracing your steps from start to finish, you'll probably notice quite a few gaps. Those gaps might seem pretty important. So part of the process is to pause and investigate. When we're retracing our steps from start to finish, we'll probably notice quite a few gaps. Those gaps might seem pretty important. So part of the process is to pause and investigate. Do I have records somewhere? A piece of paper, photo, video that will fill in the holes? Is there someone I can interview or ask that was there? A family member, physician, teacher? If none of these are available, maybe I can make note of that. For example, simply stating, there's a gap, I think it's important, but I can't remember, is kind of a way of bookmarking this. The consumption. This is the phase where we listen to ourselves. I've had this spontaneously happen in the act, having a sudden oh or aha moment. Still, this should be done intentionally after the fact. Since I have ADHD, I have the habit of pacing to decompress. So I may pace while listening to myself or on a stationary bike while reading, or I might go for a walk. One thing I'm going to try to do while listening to myself and walking is carry around a small notepad and create some kind of coding system with a timestamp, maybe a star next to a timestamp that represents an important event that I should look into more closely, an exclamation point next to a timestamp that represents an epiphany, that oh or aha moment, a question mark next to a timestamp that represents questions about something I said. And I suppose I could just do this on my phone in text. I just have to see which one's more convenient to me. If you give this a try, let me know. I mentioned being on a bike while reading. Obviously, the bike part isn't important unless you have a similar condition to me. But if we wrote this out, we'd obviously have to read it to ourselves. I'd suggest reading it out loud. If you typed it, there are many text-to-speech reader options. My go-to is Read Aloud Chrome extension. I export Google Docs or Word documents as a PDF so I can open it in my Chrome web browser. And then the extension will just read the text out loud to me. In closing, I want to emphasize recalling without a planner or journal is probably the last thing in your toolbox you want to rely on, but it's probably something you will have to use from time to time. It is an enlightening but tedious process. The past year, I have enough planning and journaling that I can reference my own notes if I need some type of insight, but I still find it useful recalling older events. As time goes on, I may need to retrace my steps to this particular point, and for that, the planner and journal will be quite useful. In the next few episodes, I'll probably explore these subjects in more detail. That's it for this episode, but I will probably expand on it more on my website and possibly in a video in due time. If you have any insight to provide me, please, please reach out to me. You can find blog posts, related material, and contact me at www.sispace.blog. That's C-Y-S-P-A-C-E dot B-L-O-G. Thanks again.